that you would never forgive him and that he would never have your love and you were going to basically cut him out of your life. Would you ever do that? I'm like, no. In fact, I would probably embrace the kid even more. Probably say, dude, I've been there, man. Like, I get it. Like, come in here for a hug, man. Let's talk about this. I'm going to help you. He's like, welcome to God's love. Welcome to the Kindling Fire. My name is Troy Mangum. God is preaching a sermon to the world through people's lives. People's experience, history, and testimonies all point to some amazing attribute of God that you too can experience. I interview revolutionaries, fire starters, and troublemakers. This podcast is here to be a voice of encouragement in your life. A voice that says, with God you can, and with God you will step into the abundant life. So let's get rolling. Today on the Kinlake Fire, I have the privilege of having Larry Hagner on the show. Thanks for coming on, man. Oh, it's my pleasure, man. Thank you so much for having me on. So he's with the Dad Edge podcast, and I would also say the Dad Edge movement. Uh, uh, I've been, I, I got to get behind the scenes a little bit about kind of the, the breadth of what you're doing. And I just have to say, um, it's impressive. Like you, you really are helping a lot of men in very practical ways. Uh, unlike some things that I've seen. I mean, it's not half ass, man. It's, it's really well done. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. So t tell a little bit more about kind of uh, who you are, uh, your family, and then also kind of the breadth of, of the dad edge movement. Yeah. So who I am, I mean, obviously a follower of Christ. Uh, I am a husband uh, to my beautiful wife, Jessica. We've been married. We just celebrated 18 years. Uh, I've known her for 25 years. We, we met when we were in college. Uh, I met her in 1996. We have four boys. We have a 15-year-old who's now a freshman in high school. We have a 13-year-old who's an eighth grader. I have a second grader who's seven and a kindergartner who is five. So actually, this is my first year that as we speak now, I am now three days into all four of my kids actually being in school. Man, that's quite a span. 15 year olds to kindergarten. That's, that's, yeah. I, I have, I have four kids and they have, I have that span, you know, where it's just like, it's, it's, <laughs> I didn't have them close together. We had them spread out. So. Yeah, it's uh, definitely, <laughs> we weren't planning on the third and fourth. In fact, uh, if I'm just being totally real with you, like we weren't careful for five straight years and we just thought like, you know, Hey, God had a plan that we were done and, and we were okay with that. And, um, the funny thing is, is we actually, um, uh, my wife, you know, when my 13 year old at the time, when he was going to kindergarten, she's like, okay, well, you know, I guess I'll go back to work, you know, cause she stayed home with him and, yeah. and, uh, we went out and we, put a contract on a house to be built in a school and mostly because of the school district we wanted to be in. And we, we decided, you know, like, Hey, we're going to go back to a double income again and kind of be nice to, to buy, you know, kind of a, a nicer home, you know, cause our first home was our starter home. Like it'd be kind of cool to like get some upgrades. Like we've never had upgrades, like yeah. cool countertops and floors and all that. So we, we sat down with the builder and we're like, okay, you know, that's what we want. And he's like, okay, cool. We can do it. And um, it was literally one week later, that we found out that we were pregnant with our third. And I was like, wow, look at the timing on that. So I called the builder back and I'm like, Hey man, um, is it too late to make changes to that contract? And he's like, no, not at all. He's like, we're like three months from even breaking ground. So you can make all the changes you want. I think he was probably like, you know, haha, yes, good. What, what else do you want in this house? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, well, I was like, you remember all those upgrades, you know, the nicer floors and nicer carpet and, the countertops and coffered ceiling and that kind of thing. He's like, yeah, I was like, yeah, I don't need any of that. None of it. In fact, I want to go standard, boom, everything around. He's like, wow. And I was like, and I need another bedroom. And he's like, Dude. he's like, what, what happened? And I was like, well, having another one, uh, need to keep the house within the budget. And of course we know that it's going to be destroyed more. So I don't, I don't need this right now. So, and then, I, yeah. I, I mean, I just, that is so analogous of, kind of like sometimes like maybe what the world has to offer and what God has to offer. It's just like, yeah. you know, sort of like the, the shiny and the bright and the new car and the boat and the this and the that. And then God's like, no, I want to give you a life. 
and, yeah. and, and invest in that and your yeah. life and, and that poops everywhere, but it's going <laughs> to be amazing, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, man. And it wasn't even, it wasn't even two years later. I was two years later. Uh, we got, we got pregnant with our fourth again, weren't really trying. I always joke. I was like, well, my wife's really beautiful. So it's hard not to try, but we were like, but to be honest, like we, uh, th our biggest transition was the third, you know, going from two to three was, was like, wow. And plus the span, you know, six years apart, it hey, was almost like arts is six years apart. So we had two yeah. and two. Yeah. So yeah, we call them the bigs and the littles. That's what we call I, them it's now. exactly the situation we're in. And we had them within yeah. two years. Two, the up top were close and the bottom two were close. And we had this huge span in between. That was the same uh, thing we did. But yeah, and here's the funny thing though, is I, I wouldn't do it any other way because a lot of people are like four, like, gosh, bless. That sounds like, I was like, believe it or not. I honestly believe having the fourth was easier than just having a third because at the time, like my third kid, when, when he was a baby and like, you know, before the, the new one came and especially in the first year when we had the fourth, you know, the first two years before they kind of really started interacting, like my third kid, like my third son, like it felt like he was an only child uh, to some degree because the other ones were in full-time school. Yeah. They yeah. were in sports. You know, the other one was just like in his own world and his two older brothers really didn't want anything to do with them. So it's just like, wow, we literally have two separate worlds going on right now under our own roof. Yeah. So having the fourth yeah. was, to be honest, a, just a blessing because like the two youngers, you know, they get along great. They hang out the two bigs, you know, they, yeah, they, they get along great, but at the same time they have, they have their own separate lives. But I actually like that, that spread. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to fast forward you kind of like to where I am in life. Our older are giving advice to our younger now. So my old, nice. my youngest are 15 and 17 and they're like, hey, when I was at the in the throes of teenagehood, trying to get you know right at the end of, of high school, um, you know, I did some things or approached it with mom and dad certain ways. Hey, I recommend you to do it this way. It's probably a better way. And so they're actually advising now our younger to having now have you know in their early twenties, mid early twenties, to where they have some sense now. You know, they yeah, kind of, yeah. they, they, they're, and they're looking back with perspective and now our younger kids are kind of benefiting from that. So it's kind of cool actually. Yeah, it is cool. Hey, so I want to, I want to say, I want to give your mission statement for dad. Cause I, I'm really, I really love it. Actually. It says the mission of dad is to empower men to live and lead le legendary lives. The dad edge empowers men to create legendary marriages and then it goes on to say more but i mean what a great mission statement i mean there's not a man on a planet unless you're dead which you could be if you're listening to this please you know i advise you to get resuscitated with this you know there is a legendary life for you to live and uh and it sounds like you are very much like full time, making it your mission to make sure men actually are able to step into that kind of, you know, breadth and, and depth of life. You know, so yeah, living legendary, that's, that's really our tagline. Um, what, what I'll say for most men, right. And we, we don't say these things out loud, but most men will live this quiet life of desperation and sometimes even isolation. Now, I'm not talking about isolation physically. I'm talking about isolation mentally, emotionally, and even spiritually, right? We, we live isolated. We feel, we feel that we have to take on the entire world by ourselves. We must know exactly what to do in our marriages at all times. We must know exactly what to do in fatherhood at all times. Uh, if we're not showing up in that, in those areas of our life, then, oh my gosh, we're not even we're not even worthy of certain things. Right. And when we're walking around like that, like, listen, here, here, here's a couple of analogies that I think will really drive this point home. Right. If you really look at what dad edge does, we help men, number one, build and create an extraordinary marriage. And there's four elements to an extraordinary marriage, right? There's your self-care, there's partnership, there's friendship and lovers. And on those four pillars, uh, underneath those four pillars sits a foundation of communication. Communication, there's a lot of different skill sets like tactical empathy, emotional validation, active listening, um, mirrors and labels and all these different things. And a lot of us don't know that. Also, another pillar is connection with our kids and an environment of psychological safety. Another pillar is leadership. 
The fourth pillar is optimizing our physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual health. And then the final and fifth pillar is, is mastering our personal finances. Now, if you look at those five things, leadership, parenting, marriage, health, and finances, um, these are the areas we get the least amount of education. And so to drive this point home, like I said, 990 hours, that's how many hours of training it takes for a police cadet to go from cadet to officer. If you look at even like the thousands of hours and years that it takes to go from, I want to go to medical school and be a surgeon to actually cutting someone open and, and replacing somebody's knee, there's an insane amount of, of training that goes on with that. If you want to be a CPA, you have to get an undergraduate degree and then you have to go get certified. No matter what we're doing in our lives, we have usually resources and training that's available. And if you really think about it, yes, there's a plethora of parenting books. There's a lot of marriage books out there. You've got marital counseling and all that stuff, but there's some taboo even with some people around marital counseling. It's like, oh, if I have to go see a counselor, then I'm broken. I don't know what to do. So what we usually do is we go at these things, baptism by fire, those five pillars. Like I never took a personal finance class in high school. I definitely didn't take any, any classes on like, hey, how do I effectively communicate with someone and create an environment of psychological safety? I never really took a parenting class other than maybe a few parenting classes that I took like Love and Logic or read a couple books, but it's, it, we don't have a deep dive knowledge of these things. And what happens is, is in these areas and in, in these elements, we're like, number one, society, society kind of pushes it on us, but we also put a lot of pressure on ourselves to like, well, this is fundamental. So I should know what to do. If yeah. I love my wife, yeah. then I should know how to be married. If I love my kids, yeah. I should automatically know how to parent. And unfortunately, that's not the case. If you really look at these things, th these are actually, these are skills. And the great, the great news about skills in these areas is you can learn them and you can practice them. And most people, we just feel like, hey, yeah, best time of your whole life. Don't worry, you'll figure out marriage. It'd be great. Yeah, I, I grew up, I grew up and, I, and I know you're a little bit of your background as well, is that I grew up with this sense without a, a strong uh, father figure or mentor in my life. I had a father, the, my, the, I came from a, they remained married, but he was otherwise occupied. And I got this seed in my um, psyche that basically said, you have to figure it out. Whatever it is, it is completely up to you. There are no resources per se, or anybody that really cares. So you have to figure it out. And I brought that right into my marriage. And I was like, I should just know. And so I had this unrealistic, like taskmaster inside of my whatever psyche that said, you should just know, you should just know how to be a husband. You should just know how to be a, a father. You should just know how to deal with money. You should not that anybody's ever taught you anything, but you should just know, which is just hearing you say that it's like, Men need to be free from that taskmaster. It is, it's, it will drive you crazy and it will not help you. <laughs> yeah. And the odd thing is, right. We don't expect that in any part of our life. It's like, if you want to be a, an orthopedic surgeon and you walk into the OR and be like, oh, well, you should just know how to replace this knee because you, you want to do it and you like it and you're interested, you, you, you want to love it. So yeah, you should just know how to do it. And if you don't, uh, well, shame on you. And not only that, but if you ask questions, well, wow, you're really weak. Okay. Yeah. And if you really think about the, the dichotomy and the thought process around those things, like that's, it sounds so foolish as we, as we talk about it in those areas, but admit for some crazy reason, it makes so much sense to us of like, yeah, but I should know how to do this, but just think for a moment, like for any of your audience who's listening to this podcast right now, think for a moment, if you don't know what you're doing as a husband or, or a wife or a parent, and you are like, I'm broken. You're not, you're actually the norm. And secondly, don't put undue pressure on yourself. If you've never been through training or learned the skills of number one, like communication, or how do I create an environment of psychological safety where my kids will actually open up to me and tell me everything. Yeah. Or how do I yeah. deep, deeply and intimately connect with my wife through generative questions that are, that are intimate and visionary. A lot of people, and even as I say that stuff, they're probably like, what does that, all those words even mean? <laughs> but yet we put all this undue pressure on ourselves of like, I should automatically know how to do this at the foundation of who I am. I should know how to do this. We, we don't need that kind of pressure. 
Yeah. So. And, I, and I would say that, you know, we're both Christians and, and I love and appreciate the, the Bible, no doubt. And there are things that are sort of like, here's a, a staple Christian statement as a husband, love your wife as Christ loved the church. Right. So I've got what I need. I just need to do that. You know, right. and, you're, and you're just like, it's sort of like, it's sort of like, um, I don't know how you would describe it, but the surgery analogy is so strong because you need to know far more than I got accepted medical school. Now I can cut people. It's like, no, 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 no. You yeah. just got in the door. Right. right. And, and with that verse, you just got in the door to understand the breadth and the depth of what that will practically mean. Don't assume just because you read the scripture. Now, you know what to do. I'm going to guarantee you, you do not. <laughs> right. Right. And the other thing, too, I mean, th perfect example. Right. I read the Bible every day. There are sometimes I'm reading them like right now I'm in, in chapter 15 of Proverbs. And there are some of these things I'm like. Oh, it's like, oh, what does that mean? Like, and I'll like take notes in my Bible and I'm, I'm like writing things down, writing some reflections. I'm like, oh, I wish I had a guide. So what I can tell you about that is, is like, if I have questions, I go to my pastor. Now, the other thing too, is I'm also a part of a, um, a mentorship, call it a spiritual mastermind of some sort called Operation Timothy where I'm a Timothy and I have a mentor who's, who's my Paul. And he, I'm going right now through, I'm finishing up a two-year curriculum that's all online of literally understanding the Bible. So I understand what my relationship with God is. So I understand exactly what it is that I need to do. Because like, if I look at the, actually my Bible's out in the kitchen where I do my reflection, but if I look at the Bible, I'm like, wow, where do I start with this? And if I have questions, who do I go to? And at the same time, like, the funny thing is, is I don't have the shame. Like if I'm, if I'm talking from a human perspective, if I don't have the shame of being like, I don't really understand this. I'll yeah. be like, I'm going to go, I'm going to ask my pastor. That feels good to me. But if I'm like, wow, my wife and I haven't been intimate for a while and I don't know what to do. I don't want to tell anybody about that. There's like right. this shame, right? Like I'm 100%. broken. Or I'm in, yeah. Or like I'm an idiot and that's, that's not the case. You know, it's, it's the difference I think, and I'll, I'll wrap this up here between curiosity, which that trait will make us into a student curious and appreciation versus the expectation that I should already know how to do this because, you know, the opposite of expectation is curiosity. And if we can be curious about building an incredible marriage, curious about what it means to, to be an intentional parent, um, just think of the amazing things that that would open us up to. Like if, if we looked at that, those elements in our life and like, well, what if I just learned a few things? Like just imagine <laughs> the relief that we would feel, right? Yeah, I, I, I remember hearing some sermon and they said there was some sort of nun or somebody that had some sort of plaque on her little, in her little nun office. And it said, I, I, I will not should of myself. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> and it, and it's just sort of like I'm going to release myself from from that thought process, right? And and yeah. I love the the contrast of being curious because that's ultimately children are curious. I mean, we are called to enter into the kingdom of God as as children and that is a doorway to enter into the kingdom of God. Children do not sit around moaning about what they should have should have known. They just are curious. Why is this? Why is this? That they, they just are curious. And that's a great posture to grow versus a should have posture. Yeah, I agree. So, so, uh, you know, let's talk about you a little bit, Larry, as far as like um, uh, your backstory, like all of this came about, there's a backstory to this, Lord, there's a, there's a reason why you're so passionate and I believe so fruitful in the things that you've put your hand to in this way. Um, just tell us a little bit about like your dad or your experience with, you know, growing up and things like that. Yeah. So <laughs> you're catching me on probably one of the most interesting days where I'm going to reshare this story that I've ever had, because I have hit a point in this mission that I've been doing now since 2012 that did not start pretty. And I am actually reaching a point. I, I reached a point this morning, actually, like literally one hour before we hit this, uh, 
the record button on this podcast and I reached out to a few uh, friends of mine who are huge influencers, influencers that have, you know, hundreds, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of followers. And the video that I sent them, I was like, Hey, I was on the Bradley dropping bombs podcast. And that guy has over a million followers and millions and millions of downloads. And probably one of the biggest shows I've been on. And he released a two minute clip this morning on his Instagram that got 30,000 hits in the first 40 minutes. It was up 80 comments. And I, I've, Thank God over the years, man, listen, I've gotten 99% love and 1% hate, right? For yeah. the mission I'm doing. Yeah. So I told the story on his podcast, which I tell the story on every podcast and I'm going to tell it on this one. <laughs> I told the story. I told the story of how dad edge started and it wasn't pretty. And it's, it's, it's a heartfelt story for me. And I went through the comments and a lot of them are like, oh man, the story really, really hit me. And there's a lot of love for this guy. And all of a sudden I got, what a, what a, like this guy's a, a narcissist alcoholic who beats his kids. And I'm like, and I went through some, and people were feeding on those comments. Like, I can't believe this guy beats his kids. He's nothing more than an alcoholic parent. And I'm like, wait, what? and it was, well, so I'll tell this story <laughs> um, of, of how dad had started because you're hitting me that I'm retelling this story and I'm telling it from an up, from a point of view right now where I'm like, wow, I have never gotten so much hate in my life telling this story because it, it is, it's not a good story how it started. Yeah. But, but the beauty of it is, is there's a lot of really fantastic things that, that have come about. So I'll, I'll share with you what happened and how dad edge got started. So my child, I, I really, this really got started with my own childhood. Um, my mom and biological father were married for about four or five years. They had me in 1975. They got divorced pretty much right away after I was born. Uh, my dad fled the picture um, right after that. I was, it was just me and my mom until I was four. And the funny, funny, I know you love to hear stories. The funny story that happened when I remember being in preschool, I'm 46 years old, this 42 years ago, I still remember being in preschool and I remember dads coming to pick up their kids. So I, I knew what a dad was. I knew we didn't have one that didn't bother me. It didn't really make any difference to me because my, my four-year-old version of dads were like, Oh, well I magically appear. And my mom goes out and finds a dad and my mom just hadn't found our dad yet. No worries. She'll find one. It'll happen. So I'll never forget. <laughs> it was the same year. Cause I was four. My mom invites this guy over that she had been dating from work. And I think they were dating for a while. And he came over to eat dinner with us to meet me. And I will never forget, it was the very first time I remember my childhood at four years old, a, a grown man walking in my home. And this guy, like, if you could picture this, it's 1979. Guy walks in, he's got a three-piece suit on because he was a white-collar data software engineer. Uh, he, had a, he had a briefcase, the double Windsor tie, the feathered hair, and the handlebar mustache. And he came walking in my house, and my, my, my uh, mom introduces me to him. And she's like, Larry, this is Joe, Joe, this is Larry. And I shook this guy's hand. And the first question with beaming curiosity, we talked about that curiosity. I'm like, are you going to be my dad? <laughs> and like, that was the first question this poor guy got getting coming in my house. And, you know, six months later, man, I think my mom really took that as a sign. Like, wow, I really need to find, I really need to seal this family up. I need to get this kid a father. Right. And I think that was yeah. her intention and they got married. They were married for six years and I'll, I'll go through this story so I can get to how dad edge got created. And now, you know, I, I am now hated by a bunch of people, which is <laughs> new for lots me. of people. <laughs> yeah. After doing this work now for 10 years. Um, and I've told this story a gazillion times, but anyway, so they were married for six years. Uh, he was very nice, very polite, uh, ex-military was big on manners, uh, but he drank a lot. And when he drank, he got pretty violent. So I remember my childhood, like there was a lot of beatings. There's a lot of violence. Um, him, and my mom, every year they were married, it just got worse and worse and worse. And what I can tell you is when they got divorced, I remember I was 10. I remember feeling, wow, like this is really gut wrenching, like losing my father. Cause at the time I thought he was my father. Right. Yeah. And uh, at the same time, I'm very relieved that they're not going to be fighting anymore. There's going to be no more beatings and all that good stuff. Uh, fast forward two years later, I was 12, started asking a lot of questions. Where did I come from? I know I didn't come from him. Um, my, my mom told me, Hey, I was, I was married before you have another father. She showed me the wedding album. Um, for the sake of time, I'll just share with you. I ran into him by accident when I was 12. Um, I wow. won't get into the, to the details of it for the sake of time, pretty fascinating story, but I ran into him. 
He was remarried at the time, had a two-year-old son, another one on the way. We spent six months together. And I was like, man, this is so cool. Like, and I immediately started calling him dad. Like I was so excited. I was like, oh my gosh, this guy's back in my life. He'd come in my little league games. We'd hang out. I'd be over at his house. And it was great for like six months. And then like the last month, I started just getting this feeling, even at 12 years old, I remember getting this feeling that like, there was just something heavy on my dad that I couldn't pinpoint what it was. And really, and I called him out on it. I'm like, Hey, what's going on? Like, I just feel like something's off with us. Like you, we don't, we don't talk as much. You don't come to my games as much like what's going on. And basically he was like, I'm not really sure how to do this. My life is pretty complicated. You know, I'm remarried. I'm starting over. Like I have one son, another son on the way. It's just, it's, it's just a lot for me. And it was in that moment that the decision was made that we were, we were separating again. Mm. So my mom, my mom dated a few more guys, got married, but they, it was all always a toxic sort of alcohol element in the house. Um, fast forward till I was fast forward till I was 30. Um, my mom had been married three times. I, I was just, it was crazy, crazy lifestyle growing up 30 years old. Uh, I'm in a Starbucks for a business meeting and who came walking in, but my father for his morning coffee. I hadn't seen him since I was 12. Oh my God. And that was, yeah, man, that was, uh, that was pretty crazy. And, uh, again, for the sake of time, cause I'll get to dad edge, we ended up connecting, uh, and we ended up, um, we now have a relationship. We've had a relationship for 16 years, but how dad edge got started, wasn't pretty. So I had my first son when I was 30, my second son, when I was 32, uh, it was in 2012, uh, my 13 year old. Now he was four at the time. I was your, I was your probably typical frustrated male, right? Nothing extreme was going on in my house. Okay. I was not beating my children. I was not yelling and kind of funny. Like now that I see these comments after the two minute clip that Brad put on, I wasn't even that big of a drinker. Um, it was, I was just living that life where my, my, my marriage was mediocre at best. I was just surviving it. You know, my patience with my kids and my connection with my kids, it was like typical. It was just like, I don't know what I'm doing. This is so frustrating. These kids, like I love them to death, but they're driving me crazy. And I want to do this job of being a father so well, because I know what it feels like to, to be a child of, 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 a of someone who is the opposite. Right. Yeah. So the story, the story that was featured on Bradley's and I tell it all the time is when my son was four, I'd had a bad day at work. Um, I was packing up our house cause we were moving. I hate moving. And I remember like spending hours and hours and hours packing up this one room. And I told my four-year-old when he came into play and I was like, Hey, I'm going to go take a break. I was like, uh, please don't pull anything out of these boxes when I'm, when I'm gone. It took me, you know, all night to pack these things. Well, what happens? You know, I come back downstairs 30 minutes later, like everything's pulled out. I'm like, Oh my God. So I got angry and I spanked him. And that was the first time I spanked him and I spanked him and he hit the ground. And I was like, oh my, I was like, oh my God, like, what did I just do? And I went to help him up and he looked at me like I was a monster and rightfully so. And that was the first time I hit him. And even though he looked at me like a monster, I think kids are pretty keen on energy in the house. Right. And I think in that moment, he, you know, I, I, I did fatherhood from out here. You know, I never hit my kids. I had never called them names, but I, I just wasn't in it. On a scale of one to 10, I was probably like operating at like a three or a four. Hmm. It's like, well, I'm not really good here. So I'm not just, I'm just going to do the minimum. I'm just going to, because that yeah. way I won't. And my thought process was not to do the minimum because I want to do the minimum. I want to do the minimum so I don't screw this up. And if yep. I'm doing the minimum, then I can't screw it up that bad, which is total irrational thinking because you end up screwing it up more. But anyway, um, it was in that moment. And I swear, man, this was divine intervention. I was so upset with myself. I was so angry at myself. I was so disappointed in myself that I literally, you know, I helped him up. I felt so much guilt and so much shame. And I brought him back to his room and I, I hugged him, apologized. And I ended up getting ready for bed. I went back down to my office that night. And what do you do as an adult when you have a bad moment? You go on Facebook to distract yourself so you don't have to think. <laughs> so I'm, I'm in my office. I'm literally crying. And I just remember saying to myself, I don't, I, I, I don't know what I'm doing anymore. I don't know what I'm doing. I was like, I'm tired of living this way. Like I made a deal with myself that when I became a father, I was not going to live this way. And I'm living this way. And I was looking at Facebook and I'm just like scrolling through. I'm angry. I got tears in my eyes. And I see this button in the left-hand corner that says create a page. I had never created a page. I never created a group. I was your typical Facebook user, right? 
call it divine intervention, call it whatever you want, but here's what happened. I clicked that button and just the thing popped open in the words, the good dad project, boom, just rolled off my mind onto the heart, onto that keyboard. And I just felt like this piece. And it was the piece of like, I don't know what I'm doing. And I'm going to create this page because what I want to do is I want to learn one new thing every day about fatherhood. Like I'm great with my company. I'm great with my career. Like I'm promoted. I'm, I'm an executor. I'm success, but that's always because I'm learning. So what if I went about marriage and fatherhood and all these other things as learning as like a student versus like, why do I have to know everything? I don't know a thing. And so like, it was in that moment, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go research something every day and I'm just going to post it here. And I did, I never did it for a following. I just did it for me. It was kind of like a log of what I was learning. Well, then that started getting some traction, some following. And then people, people started asking me to speak. And I was like, I had a mom's group of 250 moms reach out to me and be like, Hey, will you come and speak at our organization? I'm like, about what? And they're like, about being a good dad. I'm like, I'm not like, (laughs) that's, that's actually what I'm trying to be. And they're like, no, 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 no. That that's why we want you to speak because you're the first person we've come across that, you know, number one, you're local, but number two, like you're not posting the highlight reel and you don't have it all together and you're learning, you're just posting what you're learning. So can you just kind of share with us what's on your mind and heart and what you're learning? And I was like, I guess so. It's going to be terrible probably, but I can do that. And I did it and I got rave reviews on that. And I was like, man, I was like, I wonder if there's, maybe there's something here. I don't know. Well, I started a blog in 2013 called the good dad project. And again, the blog was just like, Oh, oh, here's how I'm screwing up. Here's what I'm learning. Here's what I'm screwing up. Here's how I'm learning. Right. And then 2015, I was just like, I don't really like writing blogs anymore. Maybe I'll podcast. And literally the way that I came, came about the podcast is like, literally this is a front row seat to the most amazing education ever. And now after six years of podcasting, 750 episodes, um, it has been a front row seat to the most amazing education I've ever had in my life. Yeah. And here's, and I have been a student. I will always be a student. I've been a student the whole way. And that has been the mission. And now listen, after all this time, you know, we finally have it dialed in to, to at least give men an advantage. Like if you want to create an extraordinary marriage, here are skill sets and a formula for that. If you want to create an epic connection with your kids with psychological safety, here's an amazing formula for that. Um, and all the other elements too. But the one thing that I'll say is, yeah, it didn't start pretty at all. Um, it came from a, from literally the darkest place I think I've ever been in in my entire life. Yeah. But I think because of that dark place, um, you know, a lot of beauty came out of that. And to be honest, if, if I had not had that wake up call, I would be divorced. I wouldn't have four kids. I would have two. I would be lucky if I saw him half the time right now, because my wife and I would probably be divorced. We'd probably be remarried. We'd probably blended family. It'd be a mess. And I, because it, yeah, and that's it. That's really it. I, I can relate really a lot. And um, so, you know, that I was on your show with fatherhood face plants. Um, yes. The uh, dislocated my oldest child's shoulder at one and a half out of anger uh been separated four times the fact that we're a a happy family and we're smiling and we're still laughing is an absolute miracle and fatherhood face plants is that that journey of of how did god take me as a mess of a man into something to to where actually could be creating emotional safety, having a thriving marriage and et cetera. Now it took a long time and I stumbled and bumbled and didn't really have resources like dad edge. It really was just stumbling and, and God helping along the way and sending wise counselors and mentors in my life along the way. So the thing that is so striking to me about your story, because, because I've, talk to a lot of men and failure is not fatal and listeners need to hear that just because you have some epic fall it literally could be the doorway to your future 
and it deconstructs this. This is the way I think I'm supposed to do life to where you finally get to the end of that road and say, crap, this doesn't work. <laughs> you know, it's not achieving what I believe is possible in God. It's not achieving maybe what I hope to be possible in my life because of my bad experiences. I need help. I need something. And I think that is what I love about your story because it starts at the bottom. Yeah. And, and then it becomes this sincere, heartfelt uh, uh, hunger to know, you know, and now it's, you know, it's far beyond that. You, you've been able to, to, to just incorporate all these wonderful truths and lessons and aha moments and et cetera to help others. But early on, it was just that. And I think that listeners whatever journey God has for you on, you know, that scripture says, do not be surprised by the trials you're going through. It is my strong belief that God needs to sometimes destroy the building before he can rebuild it. And all the time we're asking for additions and we're asking for upgrades and we're asking for, you know, hey, just maintain it and then add more stuff to it. But God is like, no, actually, I need to bring it down to its foundation. Then we can start rebuilding. Has, has that been your experience or even have you seen in other people's lives? I mean, man, listen, um, I have been <clears throat> blessed to work thousands of hours over the years with men. You know, we've, we've been hosting data, uh, a mastermind called Data Edge Mastermind for the past gosh, almost six years now. So I've heard, you know, stories from men, you know, through either one-on-one coaching, through masterminding, through podcasting, through conferences, whatever, right. That's been my life for 10 years. Yeah. But what I can tell you is exactly what you just said. Every single man walking the planet has had at least one, if not multiple dark shadow moments that they didn't even know what the heck was going on. Yeah. Right. And, and for some people, it's more severe than others. For some, for, for some guys, you know, it, it's, uh, I spanked my kid, he hit the ground. For some guys, I, I dislocated my kid's shoulder. For some guys, it's, um, I, I got drunk and got a DWI. For some guys, it's, I yelled at my wife, you know. Um, it's, it's different for all of us. But there's one thing that, that all of us have in common. Your dark moment could be literally the most fertile ground for you to step into the most beautiful place that you've ever been to in your entire life, or you can continue that path and allow it to consume you and pull you down a darker hole for me. And I think for a lot of men that I've spoken to that, that dark moment has been a pivotal, has been a pivot point. It's mm -hmm. been a point where they're like, wow. I mean, look at, look at anybody who has, you know, been an addict, right? I mean, I'm getting ready to interview Nikki Six, who's the basis for Motley Crue on, on the podcast. He he just celebrated 20 years of sobriety. You know, he talked mm -hmm. about like the moment, like the darkest moment where not only did he hit rock bottom, but he died. The guy died, right? Yeah. And was brought back. And he said that wasn't even his darkest moment. Mm -hmm. His darkest moment was the day he got back from the hospital and he was like, yeah, I'm giving up heroin. And 20 minutes later, he shot up again. He said that was actually the darkest moment. Like yeah. I just survived. And then I came back and got, did drugs again. Mm -hmm. So, and now that dark moment has kicked him off into, and whether you agree with Nikki six or not, but like, if you look at like that kicked off, he just celebrated two months ago, 20 years of sobriety yeah. and he's influenced thousands, if not millions of people, you know, to, to, to recover from their addictions. Right. I mean, my gosh, if he can do it, people are probably looking and be like, well, if he can do it, why can't I? Yeah, really? But yeah. I, th I think beautiful moments are birthed out of some of our darkest moments for sure. What element do you think um, it takes a, a person to kind of choose that doorway? Because you're right, the doorway of continued destruction and the doorway of the unknown, right? That maybe leads to a positive direction. 
you know, that doorway stands in front of people that really screw up. You know, I can tell you exactly. Yeah, I can tell you exactly what I think it means. And uh, I apologize if <clears throat> I sound a little emotional, but I, I think that this is this is this is a pivotal moment for somebody's life, right? A dark moment is a pivotal moment, meaning like you're either going to step into something beautiful or you're going to step into more shame. Yeah. So there's two paths, right? Once we hit a moment that we, once we've hit a place we've never been and we're like, wow, something needs to change. There's two things that, that are going to happen. If you're going to go, if you're going to continue the dark path, then what you're doing is I feel like, why do I feel like star Wars all of a sudden, but if you're going to continue down the dark path, um, it's usually <laughs> because you feel the feelings of shame and guilt and not being worthy, right? Shame, guilt, and not being worthy. Well, it didn't work this way. So I, I might as well just, you know, forget everything, whatever. I'm just, yeah. I give up. And then, you know, this is a faith-based podcast. So I'm going to go in that direction. I had a, a spiritual mentor of mine uh, give me some really good perspective one time. And that was, what if I've done something so wrong that I can't ask God for forgiveness? And, or what if I've done something so bad that why would I even think I'm worthy of God's love? And he just laughed at me and shook his head. I was like, what's so funny? He goes, let me put this in some perspective for you. Okay. And then let me put, he's like, because that's exactly what the enemy wants you to believe. Number one, right. He's like, that's, that's spiritual warfare for you. That's what, that's what the enemy is telling you. Mm. He goes, let me put this in the best perspective possible. Let's take something that you did. Let's take the same thing that happened. Let's say that your oldest Ethan is 30 years old and he did exactly what you did in that moment. And he is so shamed and so guilted about what he did to his kid that if he, if he came to you and told you, he would feel that you would never forgive him and that he would never have your love and you were going to basically cut him out of your life. Would you ever do that? I'm like, no. In fact, I would probably embrace the kid even more. Probably say, dude, I've been there, man. Like, I get it. Like, come in here for a hug, man. Let's talk about this. I'm going to help you. He's like, welcome to God's love. Hmm. He's like, dude, like just all you got to do. He's like, there's nothing. He goes, can we agree that there's nothing that your children would do that you wouldn't forgive them? And I was like, yeah. Yeah. In fact, I think the thing would hurt me the most is if, if they thought the opposite. Like my dad can never find this out because he will never love me. And for, like, he will be done with me. Would you ever want your kids to feel that way? I'm like, dude, no, like never. He's like, well, welcome to God's love. And I was like, wow. So like, I can literally ask for forgiveness. And in my darkest moment, I can be like, Hey, I screwed up. Please. Not only do you forgive me, but please give me, help me have, have the forthright and the guidance to do better. And that's what I think is the two pivotal moments when someone hits a dark, a dark spot. Yeah, that's powerful. I mean, I, I think both of us could, could say, um, man, it is God's love that today we stand and testify to the things we say are true about our lives, our kids, our marriages. Cause I know for me, if it was left up to me, none of this would be, it would not even be near it, but just my surrender to saying, God, I know you haven't given up on me. Is there a better way has led to this incredibly beautiful, fruitful, uh, happy place. Um, but in, if you go through my, my story and I'm sure your story is similar, it's not without the bumps in the road. But it's God's love. That is that is a powerful man. That is so powerful. So thank you, man. That that's <laughs> thank your mentor. <laughs> right. I mean, I mean, let, let me kick this question back to you. You know, I, one of you know, I went to a Tony Robbins event back in 2014, hmm. and it was a, it was fascinating. That was a pivotal moment for me. I literally remember being at that event and I wrote down in my workbook in 2015, I'm going to, I'm going to start a podcast and write a book. And I did both. And it, awesome. I remember Tony Robbins being on stage and he said, would you all like to know what the number one human fear is? And of course everybody leaned in and we we're like, well, yeah. Cause like people have all kinds of fears. What's the number one. Hmm. 
And we were all on the edge of our seat. And when he said it, I was like, wow, that is it. That, that is truly it. The number one human fear is you are not good enough. You are not worthy. You won't be loved and you will be left alone. Hmm. He's like, if you look at every action that you take in your life, a lot of it is for validation because we, at the core of who we are, we want to be validated that we are good enough. Mm-hmm. Right. And we want, we, we want and need community and we want and need love. And if you really think about it, if you really think about some of the demons that people walk around with, right. The, some of the dark thoughts that we have or a dark moment that we have, the core of who we are is, well, maybe I'm just not worthy. Yeah. And I honestly think before someone unfortunately makes the decision to take their own life, there's a good possibility that those thoughts are get, get very, very big. Oh yeah. Yeah. That, that, that they're in their face of like, you're just not worthy to live anymore. You're, you, you're not enough for anybody. You're not even enough for yourself. So you just, you, people would be better off without you. Yeah. And that's unfortunate because I think if, if anybody takes anything away from our podcast today, it's, would your kids ever do anything that you wouldn't forgive them for? Or would your kids, would you ever want your kid to feel unworthy of your love? And acceptance, right? And I think everybody listening to your show right now would be like, oh my gosh, no, no. So why would we think that of ourselves? Yeah. Yeah. 100%. I mean, <laughs> and not to put this spin on it because it's more of a harsh spin, but it's like, what more does Jesus have to do? What more did God have to do? Jesus died for you. That's how much he loved you. And we hear that in church. But to connect that to worth, to connect that to value, to connect that to you were created for a purpose and a reason. It's not just a Baptist preacher saying some neat words that don't matter. If the deepest core of fear, which I do believe Tony Robbins is right on the money on that, Jesus and, and, and what God did through Jesus, it answers every one of those questions. It addresses every one of those fears. And um, yeah, and I, it, it just does. And, and it, it allows us to be like, um, and Tony Robbins, you know, he has a tremendously <laughs> broken past as well. And it's just sort of like, guys, we are not, Larry and I are not here saying, oh, we've arrived, you know, here's our, you know, here's our things to hawk at you and sell at you. We are here to say, you are a masterpiece of God. And I don't care how deep a hole you fell in or walked in or ran in or were pushed in. God has a ladder for you to climb out. And there is a better life in front of you. And we encourage you, if you are at that doorway, choose God's love. Choose God. Hear our story. Hear our testimony and encouragement. Choose God's love. It makes all the difference you don't have to have all the answers god can fill in the gaps always so larry man it's uh it's just a real honor man i really really appreciate um what you bring and because you really do bring a uh i mean it's real you know (laughs) it's real and and it's and you've seen real fruit really helping in marriages and in family and the the, the funny little thing about the, the fathered fa- face plants book is there's so much stuff about marriage in it. Yeah. Sometimes we want to separate dadding and being a husband guys, you cannot separate it. Having it totally. a, a powerful, effective, healthy, whole and happy marriage will make all the difference in your kids' lives. And I guarantee you it would probably be a lot harder work than you being a dad. Agreed. Guarantee but it's worth it. Right. Amen to that. Yeah. Well, Larry, you're, thank you're, you. You, can, well, I, can, I, can I just say real quick, I just want to share this with the audience, by the way, audience, um, if you're listening to this show and, um, you know, I got to tell you, I, I, I had obviously Troy and he's not paying me to say this. In fact, he's probably going to blush, but I had Troy on my show, the dad edge podcast, but I got to tell you like this guy, him being your host, he's got a heart of gold right? And I know Troy brings just 
so much love and where this podcast comes from and where this mission comes from is, is literally from like just such a giving place. And man, I am like seriously honored that, that you invited me to be here. Um, cause I, I just, I haven't known you long, but I can just tell, you know, I just, I just love you, man. I just love you. <laughs> I love you too, man. I appreciate you. I, I appreciate that you think before you speak. <laughs> There's not a lot of men that do that. You know, they just want to just, to speak and, but you, right. you have some intentionality about it. And so when you say stuff, it's, it means something. And, uh, and I deeply appreciate that about you as well. Thank you. So if people want to follow up and find out more about how to get in touch with you or, or, I mean, the things that you laid out that you offer, uh, I, man, listeners, please take advantage of this. Where, where would they go to find out more information? Yeah. Thank you so much. So the dadedge.com is the best place to find everything that we're doing. Uh, you know, if you, if you would, if you're interested in being a part of our, of our brotherhood, which is data edge Alliance, uh, that's our virtual mastermind. You can find all the information about that. If you go to the dadedge.com forward slash Alliance, our podcast, uh, man, that's, that's everywhere. Uh, I don't think we're actually, I think we're actually completely and totally everywhere. We just got released on Pandora uh, six months ago, so we're <laughs> you are anywhere you download. <laughs> yeah, anywhere you download podcasts, you're 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 surefire to find us. So yeah, and you've got some amazing guests. So uh, I'll definitely be interested in the Nikki Six one. That will be fascinating. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good stuff, man. All right, thank you so much for coming on, Larry. Thank you. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the podcast. Hey, if you did like it, it would be really helpful if you want to send us a review over on iTunes. That would be really cool. And if you want to connect, go over to Instagram, search Troy Mangum or The Kindling Fire, and we can connect there, and that would be a great way to kind of stay in touch. I am doing a YouTube channel, so we do video formats of these podcasts, and we'd love to have you look there. Okay, guys, until next time, be awesome.